0: This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen.
1: I want to bring you a message entitled, The Mountains Are Calling. Father, before I read this passage today, I pray, Lord, you'll speak to our heart yet now, that we would all open our minds to receive what the Holy Spirit would say to us. Lord, change who we are, make us yours, but most importantly, thank you for what Jesus has already done for us. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, we've been in the book of Isaiah for quite some time now. Somebody said, I think it's become the Isaiah church. Uh, well, when, the, when, when we're done, we're done with Isaiah, okay? But Isaiah chapter 25, verse number 6, we're going to talk about the mountains of the Lord. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines, And on this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples. Now listen to that. He's going to take a hold of the thing that has a hold of everybody. The sheet that covers all nations. He shall, watch this, he will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth the Lord has spoken. How many of you are thankful that on a hill called Calvary, Jesus did just that? He took away the power of death, hell, and the grave. What a blessing that is. What a blessing that is. You know, as we, we talk about the mountain of the Lord, I thought about that song that Spencer was singing, those, those, those red letters and i thought about how that 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 ties in with my family's story so very uniquely being irish and american indian on both sides of my family uh we we had a very passionate people who were also very very prone to addictions out of my two grandfathers the one grandfather was saved in his mid 50s he gave his life to christ then uh but I, all i remember of him at some point in his life he was probably about 200 pounds heavier than i am and just a massive man just full, you know, uh, a farm uh, owner and and just, you know, could throw what most would take many men out. He could pick it up and just throw it up. And at 80 years old, he was picking refrigerators up and throwing them on his truck. Just this man's man. And we adored him. Loved him so. But on the other side, I had a grandfather who had a, a horrible story that began on top of a mountain. On top of the mountain where their family lived, the cows had gotten out and they ate a thing called bitterweed and it poisoned the milk supply. And my great-grandfather died as a result of poisoned milk. And so at 12 years old, my, my grandfather loaded his father onto an old uh, wagon led by a mule and brought him down a mountain to be buried. Somewhere shortly thereafter, taking on the full responsibility of a family at 12, uh, my grandfather climbed inside of a bottle and would spend the next 65 plus years of his life in a bottle. He would become an abusive man, a, a horribly abusive man, in many, many ways. So abusive that the interaction that we were even given with him was so limited. I'll never forget, though, what God did with my grandfather. My grandfather reached the end of his life, and as he reached the end of his life, he went into the hospital. As he went into that hospital, uh, uh, just as a result of living so in his life, uh, my dad, who up until that point, after many years, probably probably 30 or 40 years of marriage at that point, my, 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 my grandfather had never called my dad by his first name. He, they, it was an interesting dynamic between them. And my dad goes in and my grandfather looks up with him with different eyes and says, Rodney, he said, I know you're here to tell me about Jesus. He said, yes, sir, I am. He said, you've done it many times. He said, but don't worry about me, boy, because I just finished reading the red letters. And my soul's okay. And in six weeks, I got an amazing grandpa. I'm telling amazing. Everything changed. He came to church here. And I remember one Sunday at Sunday lunch, him. he was bouncing my, my oldest daughter on, on his lap. And, and as he was doing, she was about six weeks old, she was laughing and he was laughing. And, and the joy of that moment, all because somebody went up another mountain and took care of what had happened on another mountain. Now, God began to deal with my heart about the mountains this week. Let's just talk about those for just a moment. You know, when I say the mountains to some of you, it brings up a family fight. Because I've found that there's two kinds of people in this world. There's beach people and mountain people. Let's just poll you now. How many of you are beach people? We're going to have a deliverance line for you right at the end of service. How many of you are mountain people? How many of you want to try to make up your mind and go visit lots of them? Come on now. All right. But I have found there's beach people and mountain people. And here's one thing I have noticed about beach people and mountain people. They tend to marry each other. And it becomes an argument of where are we going to go for vacation. I have one of our staff members here said to me recently, they'd been on vacation. They said, Pastor, it was wonderful. It was awesome. I said, what'd you do? They said, we got out on the beach just as the sun came up. I said, oh, awesome. And he said, and we stayed there just until the sun was about to set. And it was the most wonderful thing. And in my head, I'm thinking, just go ahead and pull my tongue out through my ear because that sounds that painful. <laughs> Rip the fingernails from my body. I, 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 I was like, you spent what all day on a beach? And he said, it was great. And I thought, I'll pray for you later. <laughs> but you know, the reality is this. We like different things. But here's where I want to get to with that. I think there's a season for the beach in all of our lives. Can I get an amen? Somebody felt a word from God. You're in that season right now. There's a season for the beach in all of our lives. But the truth is this, not only is there a season for the beach, but there's also a season for the mountains. This is the time of year we start turning our attention toward the mountains. It will be about another eight to ten weeks. The mountains will be glorious in color. Then the lights of the, of the mountain villages will emerge. And then the snow will fall. We start turning our attention toward the mountains. It's that time of year, but, but it's even more than that. Because the reason I say that there's a beach season for everyone and a mountain season for everyone is that I have never stood at a beach and said these words, I will conquer you. Beaches are not for conquering. They are for convalescing. That's a sermon point right there. But mountains, mountains are made to be climbed, mountains are made to be conquered. And we all have seasons that we need to stop admiring certain mountains in our lives and make up our mind we're going to conquer that mountain. The Bible talks about the children of Israel this way. There was one mountain that they kind of got stuck in a rotation around. They got stuck in this rotation, and God's Word came to them and said, you've been around this mountain long enough, it's time to go up. It's time to move north. It's time to proceed. Stop staying in this rotation around this mountain. It's time for you to make up your mind because I think that's where we all get stuck in our lives. We have a great idea and we just end up kind of circling that idea for a few years. We have a great thing that we know God wants to do in our lives and God wants to use us for. And we just kind of circle that idea and we never commit to climbing up to seeing what God can do if we actually engage in what he's called us to. We never get moving forward. We never take the steps up. And so God's calling us to conquer some areas of our lives. And the way that we're going to do that is by learning to climb the mountains of the Lord. Now, we were supposed to start a series this week that I had already. And God said, nope, this is where you're going. And so we're going to talk quickly about the seven biblical mountains. Seven biblical mountains that should be climbed. Now, when I began this morning, I sat in the office and I said to myself, I said, there's not enough sermon here to fill up the amount of time that people are going to enjoy it. It's going to be a short sermon day. Can I get an amen? Amen. You didn't have to sound so excited. And then I figured out a problem. The first service ended and I had not made it to seven mountains. I'd only made it to two. So I said, I feel a sermon series being born here this morning. but quickly. Two of the mountains that you should climb this morning. The first mountain that you should climb, we find in Scripture, is a mountain that goes all the way back to the beginning. This mountain is the mountain we would read in Scripture of called Moriah. Moriah. And Moriah means uh, the mountain of engagement. The mountain of where I get involved in what's happening in my life. The mountain to where I stop letting things just happen to me and I start controlling the destiny and the direction of which my life is heading in. The mountain of Moriah. Now, when we think of Mount Moriah, we think about several things that were accomplished there on Moriah, but the Jewish people think of something yet even deeper and and further than we do. If you were to scale Moriah with me, if you were to go there, Israel with me, I love to take people up onto the top of Moriah. And there on the top of Moriah, under a small uh, canopy there, there's a white stone with a large crack through the center of this stone, and this stone is called the foundation stone. And it is believed here at that very spot that God formed Adam out of the dust. So the Jewish people and the people of old all believed that it was on the top of Moriah that it all began for humanity. That it was on the top of that mountain that it all got started. And so when God spoke to Abraham and said, Abraham, you're going to go to Moriah. You're going to climb up Moriah. And when you get there, you're going to offer your son. Abraham was not shocked by the choice of Moriah. Because for generations, they had brought all the great patriarchs back to Moriah for them to be buried there. And he had made the trek to Moriah before. So when God calls him to Moriah, he's going to a place to where they remembered the fact of what God had done. Now listen to me carefully. So he brought Isaac there to be offered. Now listen to me. You will never know the faithfulness of God when you watch from a distance. When he climbed up Moriah... And he went up to the top of Moriah. It was there that he found the rams that was caught in the thicket. It was when he went the entire distance to go the distance for what God was calling him to do that he found out that God was faithful. It was there in the distance that he found the testimony of who God was for his own provision. And he would claim those famous words of old, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, the Lord is my provider. Why? Because he went the distance, and in the distance getting to where God was calling him to be, that's where he found out that God never fails you. You might think you're headed towards your doom, but when you're walking with God, all things will work together for the good of those who love Christ Jesus and are called according to his purposes. So it's on the top of the mountains of God that God calls you up to the deep places in God that you have to make up your mind. I'm going to stop thinking about trying to serve God and I'm going to engage in the process. I will stop letting others dictate how far I go and I will be after God with all of my heart, all of my soul and all of my might. And when you get after God and you fully engage, let me just tell you what you're going to find. You're going to find a God that the psalmist of old would say, taste in see that the Lord is good. You're going to find that the things that used to satisfy you won't satisfy you anymore because you've tasted of how good God is. And even in the middle of your darkest days, there's the thought of going back isn't there because you've been to the top of God's faithfulness. And in God's faithfulness, you found something you could never abandon in life. Amen. And so you have to make up your mind. I'm not going to live on your stories any longer. I will have my own testimony of who God is. I will have my own testimony of who God is. I don't know. I had no clue my wife was going to get up and tell that story. Honestly, I had no clue she was even struggling with that decision about some, some bill that I probably know nothing about. We're going to talk after service. But as I sat there listening to that, I said these words. I said, Oh, that's why that happened. Somebody walked up to me, put something in my hand, one of those Holy Ghost handshakes. When you're a young evangelist, that's what you call them, and they come up and you shake their hand and you leave with there's something green in your hand when you pull away. And you go, hallelujah. You just feel the Holy Ghost at that moment. And I was like, Lord, what do you want me to do with that? I'll go put it in the offering. They said, No. I was thinking that and they looked at me and said, That's for you. And I said, Okay. When I was a youth pastor and, you know, kind of slim, and people thought we were starving to death, I got a lot now that I'm <laughs> people are like, he's good. Come on now. But as she was saying that, I thought to myself, oh. I'm just a conduit to her obeying God in her life. And so I got some money for you, baby. Come on now, amen. Listen to me. It's not about money and riches. It's about you going the distance. When you honor God, even when the bills are tight. When you keep serving God, even when it seems like, even when that spouse you feel like has kept something from you. When everybody else has abandoned you, you keep moving. When everybody else doesn't understand how you're where you're supposed to be and why you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you keep your hands lifted. You keep your voice declaring that the Lord is good and the Lord is faithful. That's what you learn on the top of Moriah. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is my provider. And as long as I do my part, he will always do his part above and beyond what I could even ask, think, and imagine. Keep serving God. See why I only made it through one mountain? Two mountains? Second mountain. You ready for this? The second mountain you need to climb is Sinai. Mount Sinai. The mountain of instruction. Oh, hallelujah. God's faithful and He's faithful to teach us His ways. Listen to me. It was on the top of Mount Sinai that the Lord would give them the Ten Commandments. It was on the top of Sinai that He would say, if you'll honor Me, then I will bless you with long life. It was on the top of Sinai that he taught them how to treat their parents. It was on the top of Sinai that he taught the children how to obey. It was on the top of Sinai where honesty was established and to where it was on the top of Sinai to where they they would honor the Sabbath day. And it was there where they would learn to be uh, content and not covet. And all of the things that we learned in the power of the Ten Commandments were learned on the top of Mount Sinai. This is important. Because as Moses went up the mountain, God would establish a way to live at a higher level than a world that is darkened in sin and shame. It was here on the top of Mount Sinai that, that Moses would converse with God one-on-one. It is considered the place where God remembers His children. You see, Moses ascended to meet God. But then he had to, at some point, come down the mountain to regular life. At some point, he had to return and come down the mountain. But it's what he learned on top of the mountain that changed the way he would conduct himself when he came down the mountain. It's the very things that he learned. And I know that the world has taught us that this is how you do things. But I don't care what the world has taught you to hurt others before they hurt you and to keep others at an arm's distance. What we need to do is get up the mountain of Sinai and remember that God has a way called his word that will teach me how to live the way that God has called me to live. And I want you to see one significant point about this, that God spoke with him and taught these things to him. If you'll make up your mind to say, God, I don't know exactly what's going to happen in my life, but I'm going to find out what your word says to do. Instead of cursing my neighbor, I'm going to be good to my neighbor. Instead of walking in anger, I'm going to walk in love. Instead of living in sin, I'm going to live in the favor of the living God. And as you begin to live according to the commands of God, you're going to find something out. On top of that mountain, you're going to learn to communicate with God. And you're going to change forever listen to me, this is something that I had not seen before studying this. What happens as Moses descends the mountain? He has been in the glory of God's presence. And in the glory of God's presence, as he comes down the mountain... He steps into earshot and he goes, Oh, I better get down there. Something's wrong. There's a party going on. Something's wrong. And as he gets even further down the mountain, he gets to where he can see down the mountain. And as he looks, he can see they're worshiping a golden calf. It's down that mountain that when he's been in the presence of God, that suddenly, watch this now, he then sees the debauchery that they have stooped to. Now here's what I want you to notice about this I hadn't seen before. He's up on the mountain in the presence of God. Down in the valley, the sin is happening, but as he descends, he is still covered in the glory so that when he interacts with the darkness, he is not attracted to the darkness, but the darkness is repelled, becomes repulsive to him because he's in the presence of something better. And in the presence of something better, he can't be satisfied with that. So it's literally like a kick in the gut. I remember one time we'd gone to Baton Rouge and and when we were in Baton Rouge having a men's conference out there, as we were there... I want you to know that the glory of God settled down. Some of you here were there with me. It was like the presence of God literally settled down in that men's conference. And and our men were among thousands of other men and people are like weeping and we're like, forgive me, brother. And we're all embracing. and, and, And I mean, God's presence was there. And something changed quickly. You see, I guess I have to tell you another little story to understand this story. My father... Would always say, so have you ever had one of those things you say, when I grow up, I'll never say that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't care if it was a ball game, uh, some kind of cool activity we were at, or some, I mean, some kind of trip we were on. My dad would always say right before it was over, like we never saw the last inning of anything. If we went to a Southern gospel singing that he loved to go to, we never heard the last song. My dad would always say, Boys, get your stuff. We're going to beat the crowd. <laughs> I hated leaving. Some of you looking around going, mm, you just like them. Like, Man. And so I hated leaving. And so I made that promise. When I grew up, I'll never do that. And so we go down to the monster truck rally and, and Charlie's so excited and there's these trucks doing all these flips. And I'm like, I'm, I'm enamored by the crowd. I'm like, I'm like, there's the rednecks, and there's the rich people, and there's the city people, and they're all, just as, they're all just as freaky over this. Come on, amen. And I was like, and the next thing I know, I'm like, stop him, you know. But then I realized it was the last battle. And I looked over at Charlie, and I said, get your stuff. We're going to beat the crowd. Tears filled his eyes, but I want to see Gravedigger kill them all. And I remembered that little boy that said, I'll never do that. And I sat down and said, the crowd's worth fighting. Well, on this day, I wish I had said, no, the crowd's worth fighting. Because here's what I said to the men in the conference. Several of the older gentlemen, and most of them in their 60s, came to me and said, Pastor, we're this close to New Orleans. We've never seen it. And you know what I'm thinking? I want them to see New Orleans. And I'm thinking, I want a beignet. If you don't know what that is, it's manna from heaven. It's a little, never mind. Trust me, come on now. And so I'm thinking God's good. So I quickly lean over as the glory starts to transition and we're about ready, I know that it's going to close and these thousands of men are all running for the door because they're all going home all around the country. And I said to our men, okay, this is what's going to happen. Boys, gather your stuff. I said, in three by three, I want you to scoot out so nobody notices. And I'm taking you to New Orleans. I mean, we were riding down the road. we were still praising God, worshiping God. The presence of God was so awesome. And I pull up and stop on Canal Street. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. We stepped out of the van and stepped over drunk people from the night before. The prostitutes are asleep in the doorways. The bottles are all over the streets. And the syringes are everywhere. And I want you to know, I felt like I had been kicked in the gut. Because I said, I traded that for this. I traded the presents for this. This. Why do you need to get up Sinai where you interact with God by learning His ways and grow in His presence? Because if you can live in the world and it not be a kick in the gut, you desperately need to get up Sinai. Why? Because you need to taste and see how true the Lord's ways and how good His ways are so that when you come down, you know, you no longer are attracted to that world of darkness, but you now have tasted something better and the world says, Oh, listen to this joke. And you say, I don't want to hear your filth. heard something better and it's a sound of grace. But but let me tell you this gossip. You say, I don't want to hear your gossip because I've heard the word forgiven. I've heard the word of hope. I don't want to live in that darkness anymore. I'm not going back. Why? Because I've been talking with God and yesterday is not pretty to me anymore. As a matter of fact, I might have to walk through the darkness, but I am a city set on a hill, a light that cannot be hidden because why? I went up the mountain of the Lord and I'll never be the same. stand with me. This is important. Seven mountains. We got through two, so how many I have left? So I'm going to try to do two more of those Wednesday night here. Listen to me carefully. We all have seasons of convalescing, that we need the beach. But we all need to conquer the mountains of our lives as well. We need to step up. We need to grow. We need to determine that God's faithfulness will manifest in my life. Do you know how you get a hold of God's faithfulness? Did I teach you that already? God's faithfulness is attracted to your faithfulness. When you remain strong, His eyes, the Bible says, are searching through the earth, looking for whom He may show Himself strong. And the second thing you need to hear me if you'll learn to live the way God's taught us to live, yesterday won't be attractive to you anymore at all. Bow your heads with me in this place. So not the way I thought the sermon would go. Definitely not where I thought the sermon would end. And I don't really have a neat story to end the sermon. But I'll simply tell you this. Some mountains are worth climbing. We have a young staff member here who I thoroughly enjoy getting to work with and but ever so often, this young staff member is just missing. Like, where are they? I need to talk to them about something. And I'll call, and they're sitting on the top of Sony Mountain, on the top of a rock up the Indian Seats. They've got their Bible, and they're calling on the name of the Lord for you and for this community. They're praying. Because at that higher level, All of the things of normal life get cleared out of their way. And I never complain when the ministers are found praying. Can I tell you, God's calling you to get to a higher level so He can change who you are so you can walk in a better way. If you're here today, you say, Pastor Don, I've been going around some decisions I know that I need to make. I need to honor God in some certain ways of my life. But I've been afraid of the commitment. But today I'm willing to start up that mountain. If that's you, can I see your hand right where you are? Would you hold it up high? Hold it up high. Thank you. Thank you. Hands, literally dozens of hands. Put those down. Put those down. See, we don't embarrass anybody around here. One last question. Or maybe another. Listen to this question. I'll give you one, one other. If you're here today and you say, Pastor... I've lost the kick in the gut when I encounter sin and I want the glory of God back in my life I want to repent of that sin I want to be different I don't care if you're a worker here if you're a leader here I'm talking to everybody here if that's you I want to see your hand get it up fast and hold it up high God's going to forgive you and God's going to restore you and God's going to start you on that journey afresh and anew again Thank you, Jesus. Put those hands down. All right, I've embarrassed no one. I'm not going to embarrass anybody now. The last question is this. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, there's a mountain I need to climb, but it's called, it's called the mountain of salvation first. Because I can't, I tried to get stuff right in my own, but I've never surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. I've never become a believer in Christ. I'm not talking about an escape ticket out of hell. I'm talking about a passionate pursuit of who God is. If that's you, and you say today's the day you want to surrender your life. I didn't embarrass anybody else. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want to see your hand right where it is. Hold it up high so that I can pray for you. This is your day to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Hold it up high where I can see it all over this place. I'm looking for you today. You're going to climb the mountain of the Lord. This is it. I'm about to pray thank you. Is there another? Is there another that will join with this one? I'm looking all around. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hand. Thank you. You Put that down. Is there another? This is your moment. This is your day. This is your time. This is it. All right. We're going to pray with that one first. Then I'm going to pray for all of you. Then we're going to transition to something really awesome as a way to finish this service today. Why don't you all pray with me now? The Bible says if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and we will believe in our hearts that God raised Him from the dead, we would be born again. And so to together today, let's pray this prayer of faith and hope and the salvation with this one today as they surrender their life to Christ in this service. Jesus, Jesus. by faith, I believe, I believe. I believe. your promises. I believe. Heavenly Father, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I give you my life, all that I am, all that I've ever been, all that I will ever be. From this moment forward, I belong to you. I receive your grace that is given to me because of Christ's sacrifice. And now I declare, God is my Father heaven is my home and Jesus is my savior father I thank you that as you have with literally hundreds and hundreds already this year you met this one right here today in this service lord as they now have confessed with their mouth and now as they receive and believe in their heart salvation belongs to them it has come to their house today father for everyone who said I've got something I need to get dealt with today the faithfulness May their faithfulness grow, and may you reveal your faithfulness to them. And Lord, may the glory manifest in the life of your children. And Lord, as they come up to higher places with you, I thank you they will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen.